Hi, welcome to part two in this podcast series. In this episode, we're going to consider resilience, fatigue and mental well-being. So again, we have a few questions. What exactly is resilience and how might it help me or those that I know? Resilience is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats or significant sources of stress. It means bouncing back from difficult experiences and it can be a key factor in ensuring we are effective in dealing with what life throws at us. I don't see myself as a very resilient person. Is it something I can learn? Resilience is not a you-either-have-it-or-you-don't trait. I believe resilience is a trait you can work on and develop. I also think sometimes we can be our own worst critics. If we keep saying to ourselves, oh, I'm not very resilient, I'm pretty fragile, this may become our story. Sometimes we need to try to change what we say to ourselves, which in turn will change our behaviour. In terms of useful strategies, I think there are several. Positive relationships. Positive relationships with people are important. Accepting help and support from those who care about us and will listen to us can strengthen resilience. Avoid seeing crises as insurmountable problems. You can't change the fact that highly stressful events happen, but you can change how you interpret and respond to these events. Try saying to yourself that although the current situation is difficult, it will get better in the longer term. And note any subtle ways in which you might already feel somewhat better as you deal with difficult situations. Building resilience is accepting that change is part of living. Certain goals may no longer be attainable because of adverse situations. Accepting that some circumstances can't be changed or controlled can help you focus on those things you can alter or have some control over. And we spoke about this in part one of this podcast. Move towards your goals. Develop some realistic challenges, objectives or goals for yourselves. Do something regularly, even if it seems like a tiny accomplishment that enables you to move towards your goals. So instead of focusing on things that seem unachievable, ask yourself, what's one thing I know I can achieve today, even if it's tiny, that helps me move in the right direction? Look for opportunities for learning. People often learn something about themselves and find they have grown in some respect because of their struggle through difficult circumstances. Many people who've experienced tragedies and hardship have reported better relationships, a greater sense of strength, even while feeling vulnerable, an increased increased sense of self-worth, a more developed spirituality and heightened appreciation for life. I know that for me personally, I've grown more as a person during challenging times and can look back with pride at how I coped during difficult situations. Try to keep things in perspective. Even when faced with very painful events, try to consider the stressful situation in a broader context and keep a longer-term perspective. Also, avoid catastrophizing or blowing the event out of all proportion, especially when communicating with others. So, try to avoid highly emotive language. For example, this is a complete nightmare. 
What a disaster, as this may feed individual or group anxiety. How can I create an environment to encourage and nurture resilience? Firstly, don't beat yourself up. Remember to notice when you've done well, when you've managed a tricky situation or overcome an obstacle. Particularly notice if you've managed better than you thought you might under the circumstances and give yourself a bit of a pat on the back for that. In the materials that accompany these podcasts, I've included a handout which explains resilience and how to build it, along with a personal reflection. And in that, you can think about what has worked for you in the past and how you can use these strategies going forward. In terms of building resilience in others, I think the answer may be to be supportive, but try not to encourage others to wallow in self-pity for too long. Instead, support and encourage them to pick themselves back up and take one small step at a time. Also remember to give praise and reinforcement, not just for success, but for effort too. Next, a few questions about fatigue. What can we do to address fatigue? So, on some shifts, you may find it difficult to remain alert. And obviously, this can affect performance. It can also increase the risk of errors, injury and accidents. So, some ideas that you may find helpful. Perhaps take moderate exercise before you start work. This can increase your alertness during a shift. If possible, take regular short breaks during your shift. And again, where you can, try and get even a few breaths of fresh air, as this can really help us to feel revitalised. If you can't get out of the the building or or the, the ward or where you're working, at least get up and move during a break or every now and then, because even a change of position and outlook can refresh us. Again, if possible, plan to do more stimulating, interesting work at the times you're likely to feel most drowsy. And again, where you can, work in as much light as you can find. So increase your light exposure with overhead lights or a bright desk lamp. I'm tired but can't seem to switch off after work. Any tips there? This can be a real challenge, particularly if your mind is racing. So you need to find time to wind down between work and sleep. So you might try exercise, having a warm bath or shower, giving yourself a social media break before bedtime, and maybe reading or listening to music instead. Another idea would be to ban phones and iPads from your bedroom. And if you are using your phone as an alarm clock, maybe go buy an alarm clock and leave your phone in another room. If you find something is preying on your mind, one technique is to say to yourself, I'll worry about that tomorrow. It's a funny thing, but sometimes by pushing it into the next day, the worry may not seem so great, or the issue may even have resolved. At the very least, you may feel more able to deal with it when you're rested. Things always seem at at their worst when we're wrestling with them in the middle of the night. Keep a notepad beside your bed, and if you do waken up, Jot down anything that's on your mind or you want to remember for the next day. Another tip would be to try to follow as regular a sleep pattern as you can. Around seven to nine hours a night or day tends to work for most people. But if you really can't get this much sleep for a period, 
aim to maintain a consistent pattern. It's far better to have a regular X number of hours a night than to vary from five hours to eight hours to six hours. I know this is difficult, but it's worth trying. Don't delay going to bed. The longer you delay, the more awake you may actually become. And remember that the more consecutive nights or long shifts you've worked, the more sleep debt you've accrued. So catching up on your sleep as quickly as possible after a run of longer night shifts will help you to recover more quickly. We've also been asked a few questions about maintaining well-being throughout this challenging time. So let's have a look at some of those questions now. I'm looking for ways to help maintain and support the well-being of my colleagues. Any top tips? Talk about your feelings with others. Try not to be too defensive or to feel you have to put a brave face on all the time. It can actually be hard for other people to self-disclose about how they're feeling if they feel we are perfect or invincible. Being vulnerable, open and human yourself can really encourage others to do the same. Show people that you care. Make time to listen to them. If you can't listen to them right at the moment they ask you, that's fine. But make sure you do come back to them and make time to talk to them once you actually get a free moment. And if you promise to talk to them, don't let them down. People may feel devalued if they're not treated with kindness and respect and their trust in you may diminish somewhat. Remind them that you're there if and when they want to talk. Listen, don't judge and be careful about offering advice you aren't qualified to give but do be able to point people towards appropriate sources of help. Avoid phrases like, if I were you, I'd, or what I think you need to do is, you aren't them, so you can't know for sure what will work for them. You can share what works for you in terms of looking after your mental well-being if you think that may help them. But sometimes just showing your concern and that you care and listening to people can make a big difference. I'm so busy right now, there doesn't seem to be time to do these things. What do I do? I agree, it can be a real challenge, can't it? The busier we are, the more stressed we may feel, but the less time we may actually have to take positive steps to manage our stress. We can then get stuck in a horrible cycle where we recognise that we're stressed, but we just can't seem to find time to do anything about it. Again, sadly, there's no simple answer to this. Somehow you have to value yourself and your well-being enough to prioritise taking care of yourself so that you can in turn deal effectively with work, your life and to help others. Your health and well-being are important so you do need to try to find whatever time you can to look after yourself. If you don't find time to de-stress you may find it increasingly difficult to help others. Compassion fatigue. We can't help others if we're running on empty ourselves. So it's not selfish to take time for you, it's necessary. This may also be a bit about managing your time as effectively as you can to ensure you grab even a few minutes for yourself or to do things which make life easier for you. So can you find 15 minutes to do Pilates or go for a run? Can you batch cook so there's something good to eat when you get home? Can you read, play an instrument, watch a great movie? What makes you feel good? How can you make it part of a busy schedule? Have you got something in your life outside work 
If not, what can you do to ensure your life has more balance? At these particularly challenging times, you, have to, you may have to be more creative in how you do this, as social distancing makes it trickier. And finally, be kind to yourself and forgive yourself if you can't always meet your own expectations and high standards. You really are doing the best you can. Are there other pathways or people I can turn to for further support of my mental well-being? As I said earlier, your training programme directors, your associate postgraduate dean, your educational supervisors or any other trusted colleagues can help you. And remember about the Occupational Health Service. I think I know of someone who is struggling. What should I do? How can I ensure an optimal supportive environment for others? As a first pass, maybe just asking people how they are. So a simple, how are you doing? They may say they're fine or clearly don't wish to talk about how they're feeling and that's okay. Everyone is allowed their privacy. If they do open up and tell you they're struggling a bit and what's worrying them, listen really well, but try not to get sucked into providing solutions. That's not your role here. Just listen, show empathy and understanding. Ask them how, not if, but how you can help them. And remember, sometimes just being listened to can make a difference. Have integrity. If someone talks to you in confidence, keep it to yourself. The only exception to that would be where you are so concerned about someone's mental health that you do feel you need to discuss it with a more senior person. If you're concerned about a colleague and they don't seem willing to discuss it, maybe saying something along the lines of, Do you know, I've noticed lately you don't seem your usual self. And I just wondered if you're okay. If you want to talk, I'm here, but I'll understand if you don't want to. I just wanted you to know know I'd noticed and that I really hope you're okay. If someone is upset and distressed but doesn't want to talk to you, maybe all you can do is point them to someone who can help them. Again, your training programme directors, the associate postgraduate dean and so on can be people that you can point them towards. If you become particularly concerned because you've noticed a significant change in a colleague's behaviours, emotional control, you should talk to one of the people outlined previously and share your concern and confidence. Are there any other resources that may be of help? There are some great resources on the RCPE website. I found the book Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers a great support in my life and you might like to read it too. There's some information on the hse.gov.uk website on stress, how to manage it in yourself and others. Another great source of of help is Professor Carrie Cooper. Have a look at his videos, articles or books. Uh, He's an expert in occupational stress. And a final book you might like to consider is How to Be a Productivity Ninja by Graham Olcott. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you found these two podcasts helpful and that you've found one or two tips or techniques which will work for you and will help you to cope as well as you can during these next challenging weeks. Just remember, you are way more resilient than you know and I know you will learn many useful skills and things about yourself which which you can use now and take into other uncertain situations in the future. Take good care. 